0: Good, good. I want to conclude the, our um, four-part series message series called Small Things, Big Difference, and we're going to cover one small thought this morning, and we'll just come back to it again and again. So if, I can, if your hearts are open, your minds are alert, then I'm just going to jump straight in. Is that okay? You ready? Good, 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 good. And uh, slightly nervous, I heard Michelle did an okay job last week. So very Good. So, um, if we have a clap barometer this morning, if I get better than her, then you clap. And uh, Okay. Okay, so uh, we, um, I want to say this morning, and I'm being totally honest, I believe for some of you this morning, um, this has the potential to propel you forward into more of God wants for your life, and I don't say that lightly, um, than you've even ever experienced before. I really, really believe that. And, uh, and it's because there's principles and it's because of what God's doing. I don't know about you, but I find this a very helpful series, a uh, very practical series and yet very helpful. So you may say, okay, Jason, that's a really big statement to say. that uh, One small thought could do that, but it actually can do that. I absolutely believe it with all my heart because we've studied in the past few weeks, our key thought for this message is born out of our challenge that we look at so many people doing so many big things and then we conclude, how do we ever get there? How do we begin to do those? Here's the strange thing about human beings. I don't know, maybe it's just my mindset or your mindset's totally different. I sat in a room with uh, successful people on Monday morning. I had a meeting um, in a football stadium. And all of a sudden, I started to think, what big things did these people do? And then I thought, Jason, you've been speaking. This last two or three weeks on small things make a big difference. Get a grip of yourself. And it's, it's just so, so important. And we have uh, discovered this little one key thought that's changing things and changing the trajectory of your life and hopefully changes our life as we go corporately into this new year. It's not the big things, but it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's not the big things. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. And I hope that you get that throughout this series. I hope that it becomes part of your life. And I hope that if you're sitting in a room and you totally forget and you're looking at people that are, look like they're brighter and smarter and going faster than you, then you just pause and think to yourself, I don't have to do a big thing. There's small things that nobody sees will make a big difference that everyone wants. And as sure as eggs are eggs, one of the guys that started to tell his story resulted in all these small things that he began to do in his life that takes him to this influential position. Well, I don't know if you'd call it influential or not. He's part of the Old Trafford team, Manchester something. <laughs> Rovers uh, in Manchester there in the UK. Uh, he's part of that tribe. And it just became small steps, got him to the big place. So if you remember week one, does anybody remember we talked about one small thing? What was the small thing week one? Please remember. Oh. oh one word. It's really making a difference, this series. One word. One word that will direct your year. What's your one word? Just shout it out. Cool. I like it. In the second week, we talked about the power of our thoughts. We take capture, we capture our thoughts, and we make them obedient to Christ. You remember that? Well, that's very, very important, too, because week two is that our thoughts are so powerful because they influence our ways, and your life will always go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Good man, Andy. Your life will always go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So we take those captive and we present them and make them obedient towards Christ. And then last week three, Michelle talked about our Words. words, how they influence our actions, which influence our habits, which in the end create a destiny. So today I want to talk to you about the power of habits, about the power of habits, about the disciplines. Because we repeatedly do, we are what we repeatedly do, sorry. We become what we repeatedly do. I don't know if you've found that, but we are what we repeatedly do. And I want to start today with a very powerful thought about discipline. Before we do that, let me ask you, how many of you would say that you're very disciplined people, you, you, you've got good habits in your life? Just raise your hand very quickly, all over the room, hands are going up. Good, good, don't, don't do the, I, I mean, if that's your life, it's okay. No one's here to judge you. How many of you would say, uh, maybe like, you know, you're just, you're just like, bring it on, people. But how many of you would say, um, how many of you would say, not so much. I tend to be a little undisciplined, more on the undisciplined side. Yeah, and some of you are so undisciplined, you won't even raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are all disciplined. I would argue that we're all disciplined, actually. Just not in the good areas, Maybe. But we all, we all do have habits. We all do have disciplines. And some of them are just, some of them are good and some of them aren't good or helpful habits at all. But we are all disciplined in different ways. Uh, we are all disciplined and we all have habits. You may think, no, we don't, Jason. Yeah, we do. Here's another way to think about it. People tell me that kids nowadays, teenagers, have no attention span. That's why they don't come to church. They can't sit for 30 minutes and focus on anything. I want to put that to rest. We have a room in our house, it's called the Xbox room. I have teenagers that can go in there, sit down, be so disciplined that they will be so focused that nothing will distract them. Not a voice calling for tea or food, they will go without food, they will... They will dehydrate their bodies if they have no Coke in there. They will they will go without food if there's no sweets in that room. Uh, they, will, they won't even take the call to dinner. Somebody makes them a healthy food, and puts it on the table for them, and they're, we're shouting and roaring. I don't know if any of you have ever had this experience, but this is our experience in our house. And you can shout and roar all you want, but they are so disciplined, so focused... Not even for 30 minutes. This could last for two hours and they are in the zone. They are disciplined. They are highly disciplined and they have some habits. Would you agree? Yes. Yes, yes. I'm joking, but it's true. We're all disciplined. We just, have, we just don't have the right disciplines at times in our lives. I'm one of those people. I find it very hard. I'm an undisciplined person. I'm a very unstructured person. I have a battle every morning. A spiritual battle with a duvet. I have a memory foam mattress. It's just the perfect shape for me now. As I get heavier, it gets better. I just sink into it. Here's how disciplined I am when I want to be disciplined, and I'm going to explain a phrase just in a moment or two. My mind woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning. I didn't set an alarm clock. I woke at 4, 4, 4, 4 o'clock this morning. That doesn't usually happen unless I need to use the bathroom. And I'm at that age and stage now, where I do need to do that. <laughs> but I got up. I was so tired. I was trying to get on my computer to watch the Frampton fight. I was so tired, I couldn't even find out how to work a computer. How do you knock a computer on? And I was feeling all over this computer, and I knocked it on. And I discovered that it was not 4 o'clock, because I footered about that much time to put the computer on. No, no joking. And I got to the interview with Carl Frampton. Apologised to the fans for losing the fight. Guys, it's been a horrendous week for me. (laughs) Liverpool got put out of two cups. The Swiss got stopped yesterday. Carl Frampton got his lights knocked out last night. Please pray. Please pray. I want to give you a power thought this morning. One thought. That for so much of my life has given, uh, has been one of my goals that that I try to live by. That I try to live by. Uh, I've put it in a phrase this morning. I hope it's helpful for you. If you take notes, write it in your phone. If you want to be disciplined in the right ways, you might want to write this down. I'm going to stick to my notes and focus on them so I say this right. And some of you, this might light you up, actually, this morning. What is discipline? Because we hear a lot about it. Discipline is simply choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Can I say that again? I know uh, it doesn't sound powerful, but it's a powerful, powerful thought if we put it into our everyday ordinary lives. Discipline are habits are choosing what we want now over what we want most. And I'll explain that as we go on. Maybe you say this morning, let me just give you some practical consistencies in that. If You'll find this in an area of your life where you find consistent habits and consistent disciplines, whether they're good or bad. You will find this to be the case. Maybe you say, I've got a good marriage. How many would admit this morning, I've got a good marriage? Yeah. And I would know that. You don't need to put your hand up. I can see that. I want to say, and I'll make some statements here, I'm going to presume that you invest in your marriage. I'm going to say that those who have raised their hands probably even take one time a year and go away without their kids and focus on their marriage. Focus on each other. Would that be true? Yeah, Yeah. am I? Yeah, Roundabout way. Yeah, I would say that those marriages that are healthy, that you actually sit at the dinner table and eat together. And have a conversation. Would that be right, Mr. Patton? Very true. And profit? I know these things. You have a conversation at the table. You get away once a year. Without your kids. What about anybody successful in the finances? <laughs> <laughs> I would say make some predictions there. I would say you invest well. I would also say that you're probably a generous person that you're investing wisely and you have some disciplines that you don't buy what you don't need, even if it's are 75% off. I'm, I'm sorry Stephen, but I just want to say this, that those who do have money tend to not buy what they don't need. But if you do need anything, I can recommend a good retailer shop in Dungannon called Minaris and today is our sponsor product. The opposite is true. Any area of your life where you're not succeeding in, where you actually maybe feel like you're slightly failing, and you've got some disciplines there, you just don't have the right disciplines. You're inconsistent in the right... You're consistent, but they're the wrong uh, disciplines. For example, some of you may say, you know, I'm, I'm going to work out this year, right? As in, do weights and stuff. And so you get going, if you're like me, you're up on the Monday and you're going for it, you're going on the Tuesday, you're going on the Wednesday, and Thursday, your shoulders start to hurt a bit. And you think to yourself, I take a rest day. And then Friday becomes a rest day, Saturday becomes a rest day, Sunday becomes a rest day. And all of a sudden you have negative momentum and you are moving in the trajectory of sitting on the sofa again uh, eating digestives. You may say, I'm going to be disciplined in my eating, so Monday you do it good. You go to Weight Watchers or whoever it is, and you start off eating, you're clean eating. I am clean eating at the minute. I'm clean eating all around me at the minute, and it's <laughs> winter time. But you may be clean eating, and you are starting off well. Monday's good, Tuesday's good, Wednesday's good. But if there's anybody out there, I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret of mine this morning. <laughs> Friday afternoon, I ended up at Sainsbury's. I found myself, I don't know what happened, driving through McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> it's, and I get to the counter, the thing, and I just get my little cheap, dirty double cheeseburger at one pound, 49 pence. And then I'm so sad, I find a space in the car park where there's nobody really about. It's like, it's like really bad, isn't it? Why would you do that? And I find it, I, I was down by the cinema, because there's nobody really down there that time of day, and I open up my packet and I eat the cheeseburger. <laughs> Did you see <laughs> Can anybody relate to me this morning, please? Hallelujah, Jesus, we're in the right church. Okay. And what's even more encouraging to me, there's this guy called the Apostle Paul. And we're studying him on a Monday night. Uh, he writes a lot of the Old Testament book. Arguably, I would say, maybe one of the most effective spiritual leaders in the history of Christianity. He wrote most of the New Testament book, a, heart, a huge chunk of that. But he struggled with this very same problem that I struggle with, not McDonald's. He didn't have McDonald's in those days. But in fact, in Romans 7, his transparency really speaks to me, and I hope that it will relate to you this morning in some way. Romans 7:15 says this: "If you ever wonder why you're so inconsistent, Paul says it, he says it this way: "I don't really understand myself. Have you ever had that conversation with yourself, the things that you, you do and you think, "I don't really understand myself. Have you ever said something and you think? I don't really understand myself. Why did I say that? You know, you don't do stuff and you had a bad, dis- I don't really understand myself. I can relate to that. Like, I want to do this, then I do that. I want to eat well, but then I find myself driving through McDonald's, driving through. I want to do this, but, you know, I want to get up, I want to spend more time with Jesus, but I, I, I find myself on Facebook and Instagram. I, I don't understand myself. I don't understand myself. And, and then he says, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Can you relate to that? I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anybody, we're nuts. Anybody do the stuff that you don't like to do? Anybody eat the stuff that you don't even want to eat, and you're not even hungry at times, and you eat it, and you think to yourself, "I don't understand myself." So I don't understand myself. I, 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 I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing what I hate. And I want to do what's right, but I can't. And I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I, I want to do what is I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. And you know what? You know what I'm talking about? No? Okay. Like, you know, I I want to get passionate and read the scriptures and find Jesus. I want to influence more people for Jesus. I want to to have a healthier family, but I'm not knocking it out of the park. I end up doing this or whatever. But I like to do such and such. You fill it in, but I keep calling my name. I want to eat better, but... McDonald's keeps calling my name, Jason. 149. You couldn't be bad, dude. You couldn't make it for that. <laughs> do the wrong thing. He says, I wouldn't don't want anybody knocking McDonald's today just by the just want to say that. I'm a fan. He says in verse twenty, Romans seven, stay with me please. But if I do what I but if I do what I don't want to do, and this is interesting, he says, this this bothered me all week. I'm not really the one doing it anyway. Thinking, eh? Really, Paul? Are you living in denial? Or do you uh, need a little self awareness class? I mean, what is this? Let me read it again. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. Okay. Interesting. It does say this in the Bible, doesn't it? D- doesn't it say that? Romans, I'm not making it up, am I? It's verse 20. Uh, Romans 7, I hope. If it's not, <laughs> the things I want to do, I don't. <laughs> okay, then, who is it, Paul? If, if you're not doing it, who's doing it? He says, this is kind of, this, you, it's not really comfortable language in our society. It's actually the sin living in me that does it. I cannot miss this. Sex is sin in me. You see, by nature, we are not self-disciplined people. I mean, the stuff that we know we should do, we don't do, and the things that we know that are wrong, we end up doing anyway. And we say to ourselves, "I do not understand myself." It's the sin nature in us it's that we're not. Our sin nature bends us toward that which is wrong, rather than doing that which is right. Not all the time, but there's times in our life when we're left to our own trajectory, when we're left to our own incline of our own heart that we will steer towards a sinful nature. I know a lot of people don't use that language today, but this is what Paul's talking about. The things I don't want to do, it's not me that's doing it anyway. It's that sin nature in me. It's not what I want to do. It's this thing that takes over in me. It's an undisciplined life, and it bends me toward that which is wrong rather than doing that which is right. Does this make sense at all? And so God, you know, God, he, uh, what's right we want to do, but our sin nature, it, it lures us away from the God stuff and attempts us to do the wrong thing. It really does. You know what? God has your best interest at heart. Everything that God has for your life is good this morning. Everything that God wants to add into your life is actually excellent for your life and will propel you to a good future for your life. God is good all the time. His mercy does endure forever. His love does endure today. God is good all the time. And he is the best for your life. But yet, we tend to say, "Uh -uh, I know better. I'm going to go this direction. So if you've ever felt like this, in verse 24, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. (laughs) What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? And when he answers the question, and this is so important, in other words, who can help me overcome the temptation? I'm stuck. Who can help me overcome this temptation? Who can help me walk away from the sin? Who can help me be consistent? Consistent. Who can help me have the right disciplines, the right habits? And he says in verse 25, please stay with me, Thank God the answer, and then if you notice, it's not a principle. It's not a principle. We always look for principles, don't we? We always look for methods. It's not a principle, but the answer is found in the person. He says, who can deliver me? And the answer is in this, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Simple, but so, so effective. In Jesus Christ, my Lord. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help me with this. I can be different with his help. By the power, I can be transformed. By his power, I can be transformed. I want to say I'm convinced of it this morning. I'm not convinced of methods and principles. Some of them do work and they're not bad things at all. But I am convinced of the person called Jesus Christ who has the power to change my life. And he has done. He has changed my life. I am a walking miracle. I am a walking miracle. A man with an experience is never the mercy of anybody with an argument. Let me say that again. A man with an experience. I am a man with an experience. Jesus Christ has transformed my life. And the power of God that works within me has transformed me and still tends to do that. Week one I talked about Sabbath, right? One small thing. Do you remember that? I, said, I talked about one small thing that changed my life. And that one principle totally, completely redefined my habits more than you could ever imagine. And what I did is I took a Saturday to myself. I used it to uh, uh, probably be a little bit indulgent. I ate the foods that I liked to eat. I did the things that brought me uh, fun and fueled my life. I spent time contemplating in the evening over the scriptures again, over these talks. That's why they're so good on the Sunday morning. And. Uh, and so it became a spirit discipline. I couldn't do it on my own because I am so undisciplined. You know what I mean? And Michelle, I'll tell you this. When we used to go on holidays, I used to find myself going into Facebook and checking up and stuff in church and doing emails. And I am a, such a, my mind is, I'm an exhausted person. My mind is constantly going. I have conversations in supermarkets and then I'm looking, people are looking at me and I'm thinking, did I say it out loud? I, there has been a while there I found myself singing in supermarkets and then I found myself singing to the lady in the cash out and she's looking at me and I'm thinking, I'm singing out loud, aren't I? And she says, yeah, you are. <laughs> I, I have an active mind and I cannot switch off. If I get an idea in my head, I need to go with it there and then, right? I mean, I just there's days michelle used to come home from our days off and there this is no word of a lie we just got married we were living in Cartall road in corain sunbeam terrace very romantic and uh, we lived in this little little terrace house with stained glass windows it was absolutely uh, delightful <laughs> and uh, so uh, so one day michelle came home and this is no word of a lie there was a wardrobe stuck in the stairways let's save my life let's stairs save my life i thought i'd take a wardrobe pull it downstairs get rid of it and it came towards me and then it stopped Hallelujah, here I am today preaching to you. And then I started painting. And then I decided to cook something. All at the same time. So Michelle comes home, there's a wardrobe, there's paint, there's food. And all I'm saying is I need Jesus. I need the power of the Spirit of God to allow me to take a rest and to do what I need to do and be consistent in my life. Does that make sense? And so the Holy Spirit leads me to choose what I wanted most over what I wanted now. Sabbath, I, didn't, I wouldn't do Sabbath now, but I needed it most of my life. And that has changed my life. It has helped me to love my community better. I think it's helped me as a leader to be better. It's helped me emotionally and mentally and physically. You may question that, but it has. It has helped every area of my life. This one principle, this one small thing, has absolutely transformed my life. And you would know it if I didn't take a Sabbath. Because if you didn't respond on a Sunday morning you'd know about it. And if there was any grumpy faces out there, you'd know about it, Phil. And some of you have been trying this for years, and today is the day you get set free. Listen, pay attention just for a moment. Let's focus on, discipline your minds. Today is the day some of you get set free. Small things nobody sees results in the big difference that everybody wants. And some of you are called to influence and God is going to change just a small thing in your life that's going to result in influence. I said to myself, I'm not going to do this, but I am going to do this because I'm undisciplined. Alan, when you came in today, uh, I just had a word for you as a couple that you're going to uh, be an influencer and influence is going to go up in your life in the next two months. And uh, you've had a hellish six months, I think. This last year hasn't been too kind to you. Uh, I don't know what that looks like or what that means to your life, but I just see today that there's one small principle, there could be one small discipline that's going to increase the influence in your life and in your job, and it's not just you, but it's actually the both of you as a couple, you're going to start to influence in a wider circle and in, in a different level. Hope that makes sense to you, and I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I just thought it'd be great to actually put the words out there into space and into the atmosphere. So I bless you with that. I think that God's going to give you some principles and some favor. And we just bless and we just pray over the last six months or whatever it's been where it's just felt emotionally heavy for you. Does that make sense? Any of this true? Not giving anything away. But I really believe that for you. So, did I just create an atmosphere? (laughs) So if you've ever felt like this, verse 24, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me? Who will free me? Who can help me overcome temptation? Who can walk away? Who can can help me walk away from the sin stuff? Who can help me be consistent in my life? It's Jesus. It's a part of his presence in us. And we've been trying... Now, how do we get this discipline? How do we get consistent in our life? How do we move from where we are to becoming disciplined in the right disciplines? I want to read some more scripture and then we're going to finish up. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he's going to talk about running a race. Now when he talked about this, the Corinthians, they, they would have been so very aware of what, what he was known, what he was talking about. So, so, because this was known as the infamy games. Went back in history. And this was a race that bore for them patriotic pride. This was like the Olympic Games for them. A huge, huge deal where if you could win this, you represented your community and there was tremendous pride in this representing your community. And so here's what he said to them. So he's using this language. They're familiar with the infamous games, they know what these games are about, it's a huge deal, there's a lot of uh, pride and there's a lot of pressure actually on these, but this is what he says to them in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, speaking into this culture that love the race of the infamous games, he said, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets a prize? Then he said a statement, which this phrase was, f- was the most common statement made again and again to the athletes. And these guys, are, they're selected for a 10-month training camp. They eat the right foods. They're disciplined in their, in their exercising and food and sleep and everything else. Everything goes towards this race. And they would say to them, do what? Do what? What do we do? And he said, so run to win. Run to win. Everybody said it with me. So run to win. Let's try it one more time. So, to one. All athletes are what? Read this aloud. All athletes are disciplined. Isn't that there? If I made a mistake. Okay. All athletes are disciplined. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win the prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. He said, all athletes are disciplined. They're, they're going to run and they're going to win. In other words, you're not running to a place. You're not running to a medal. You're not running to a position. You're actually running to one. You're all running to one. We are choosing to discipline ourselves. And, and this, these guys, that, they would take themselves off to these gymnasiums for 10 months. And this was the prominent place. In the culture, actually, in the architectural culture, this is a problem like gyms, now, you can have gyms up, up upstairs in a stairs in a building, you can have gyms in a garage, you can have gyms um, anywhere at all. there's not really that big a focus. But in this culture, this was the architectural focus of that time. The people that it just wasn't a gym that they set up. This was everything focused in on this. Everything, this place was a place of prominence and a place of importance. So, even the architecture of this place was absolutely phenomenal. They would enter into that strict diet where they weren't allowed alcohol, no junk food, no McDonald's, and uh, they would build their bodies for 10 months and they would be exposed to extreme cold weather and uh, extreme temperatures. And this will sound crazy, but they would run and they would actually strip off their clothes because they didn't want anything. They had no lycra in those days. They would take off their shirt. They would take off their clothing. So nothing would hinder them from running faster. Now, that sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? In fact, you read in Hebrews, you can read it in Hebrews 12.1 It says, the author of the Hebrews said this. Let us strip off every hindrance, the sin that so easily entangles us, and run the race marked out for us with perseverance. So they knew that. They knew what that meant. They thought, oh, that's imagery. We know what athletes do when they want it one so bad that they'll actually take off their shirt, they'll actually strip naked so that there's nothing, nothing hindering them, so that they can run and run fast and run to one. And only one person gets to one. Only one person gets one. See, we're going to run this thing to one. This journey of faith. This 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 trajectory that God has called us on. And yours is different from mine. We don't have a common call and we don't have a common purpose. We don't have a common passion in life. We are all called to different things. You are called to run and you will call to run and you're going to run to one. And so when God calls you to work with refugees, then you're going to run to one. You're going to run with the prize. You're going to discipline yourself. You're going to do everything that you can do within your power because God has called you. He hasn't called everybody, but God has called you to run and to run to one. And you will one because His power is in you and His power is for you. And His power gets behind your dreams and your thinking and your your vision and your imagination and when you run you go to run to one and the prize is eternal relationship the prize is not just a wreath and they got a wreath of leaves over their neck but that's not what we're running for we're not running for gold we're not running for things that melt we're not running for things that will we everything that i said before matters everything that i said in week one matters you are the eternal thing in this room you are relationship you are people you are eternal beings eternity is written in your heart. Everything that we run to one is all around relationships and all around people. Therefore, we cannot lose. We will not lose because God has a passion for people. God has a passion for people, not things. God has a passion for people, not not principles. God has a passion for people and people are eternal and relationships are important and everything that we run to do, everything that God has called you to do, you will run and you will win. You will run and you will run. And you will run well. OK? That's what we are. It's eternal glory that we're running for. We stand in front of the presence of God. We're out front we're out front in the presence of God, continually. And you know what I love about this church, and I've gone really off my notes if you just give me a couple of minutes or two. I really believe, and I'm prophesying now over us as a community of faith, so get this, God has called us as a small bunch of people who have come from different social, economic, political backgrounds, all called to fall forward on the mercy and grace of God. But I really believe this with all my heart, and I'm saying this under the unction of the Holy Spirit this morning, God has called us as a church to run in front, not with arrogance, but with obedience. And there's some things that we have pioneered as a church in this community, and I want to say that I am proud I am proud to be the pastor of this church where our legacy is one that feeds the hungry, where we spend most of our finances on compassion and not administration, where we're not propping up bank accounts, but we're feeding those who are in destitute. We are giving away the best that we can. And I have really sensed that God again will call us in 2017 to stand in front again. And it doesn't feel comfortable but every time we stand in front, when we run to one, that we stand in front, that we're standing not alone, but we're standing under the unction and under the presence of Yahweh himself. The Spirit of God will come, and the presence of God will be our front It will be our front. It will be that which leads us on. We will not be purpose-driven. We will be presence-led in this community. And God has called us to more. He's not called us to sit in these chairs to fill out this room. I am not interested in packing out this room. I am interested in changing this community for the better and for the glory of God because it's an eternal thing. And we run to win. We run to win. Paul says this in 24. Do I have any time at all? He says, so I run with what? I run with purpose in every step again. So I run with purpose in every step. He says not just shadow boxing. We're not shadow boxing. In other words I'm not fighting against an imaginary enemy. There is a real enemy who comes to kill and steal and destroy. That's why small things make a big difference. That's why these talks are so important. That's why your habits are so important because habits form who you are. You're Biggest and your best and your strongest thinking will take you in the direction of your life. Because there's an enemy out there who wants to kill, steal and destroy. There's an enemy out there who wants to wipe out refugees. There is an enemy out there who wants to... pick on women who are vulnerable there is an enemy out there who wants to uh, get you off track there is an enemy out there who wants to get you back on the ball there is an enemy out there who wants to get your marriage screwed up there is an enemy out there who wants to take the very best things in your life and destroy them he wants to kill steal and destroy and he does not play fair and he is as real as good out and we have i want to say this we have a god we have the spirit of christ that raised christ from the dead we have a strong god within us we have a strong God within us and so we discipline ourselves in consistencies we have an enemy but we're not shadow boxing first 27 he says this, i discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what training it to do what training what it should do my body wants to do what it wants to do but i want to discipline it to do what it needs i want to discipline my life i'm not self disciplined but i'm spirit disciplined I might not be self-disciplined, but I am spirit-disciplined. The Spirit of God helps me discipline my body, not to do what it wants to do, but what it ultimately will do to glorify God. Do you hear that? I run with purpose in every step. This church in 2017 will run with purpose in every step we take. Every step will be intentional. Every step will be in purpose. Every step will be spirit-led. Every step will be... Powered by the Spirit and the presence of Yahweh the King. We do not run on our own strength, we don't run on our own disciplines, but every step we take in this year, we take a left foot and a right foot, small steps, small beginnings, but God rejoices in small things starting. And when we step out in front again, time and time again, man, has He been faithful? Has He not? Do you know what? We've never run out of money for India, we've never run out of money. You're going to find out more and more what's happening there. It's just getting bigger and lives are being transformed. We'll not run out of money for the refugees. So help us, God. We won't run out of money. Every step we take will be fueled by the presence and the power of the king. And he will supply all our needs. So I run with purpose in every single step, step by step by step. God is directing and ordering my steps. So now some of you will say, okay, glad you're excited, Jason. You might want to calm down. You're going to take a heart attack, son. It's easier for you. You're a pastor. You've got to say these things and get a bit of emotion in the room. No, 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 no. And again, I'm naturally not a disciplined person. But the Spirit of God in me helps me. The Spirit of God in you helps you. Not naturally disciplined. But the Spirit that dwells within me helps me to become more disciplined in what matters most. By the power of Christ, by the power of Christ, I am disciplined to choose what matters most over what I want now. And you can be too. You can be too. I want to give you two very quick principles, and I've run out of time, but these, you need these in your life. What do, you, what do we do? What do we do? Two applications. Write these down. Get them somewhere. Take out a pen, paper, put them in your phone. The first thing I want you to ask is, is, what do you want most? What do you want most? This should be easy. Well, not what you want now, but what do you want most? Think about it. Think about this big question. Some of you want to lose some weight, maybe write that down, or you want to get married in the future, write that down. I want to get my cholesterol down, write that down. I want to get closer to God, like I used to be in the past. I want to get free from pornography. It's wrecking my life. I want to get more intimacy in my marriage. I want to get out of debt, whatever it is, write it down. The second thing is this. We want to talk about this one discipline this morning. What do you need to do now to have what you want most? small things, big difference. What do you need to do right now at this time, in this moment in your life? What do you need to do right now so that you have discipline and consistency in your life, so that you run every step with purpose, and the presence of God fuels you, and God's Spirit uh, keeps you consistent in your life. So what is it for you this morning? What is it? What is it that you want to shape your life? It, It shouldn't be too difficult for you to think about. What's the one thing that you need to do maybe you need to pick up the scriptures again get you version on your phone start reading it on a daily basis i'm talking really fast now maybe you need to join a life group and get into community i would encourage you to do that go find a life group this morning maybe you need to put god first in your finances again and trust him with the tithes you know what why do we not trust god with the tithes why do we trust him with everything else you'll trust the bank you'll trust the retail you'll trust other things but why would you not trust god with your tithes that's a bit strong jason maybe Why don't you trust God? Let's stop mucking about people. Let's stop coming out with foolish and exhaustible excuses that we say, you know I'm going to trust you with my family, God. I'm going to trust you with this. Why would you not trust him with your money? It's important, and I want to say about the tithe we need the tithe because we want to bless what God is doing. We need the tithe in the storehouse because we want God to pour out His blessing on what He's doing. How can you ask God to pour out His blessing on your life financially, even when you don't even trust Him with 10%, a small 10%. Well, I, don't, I can't afford 10%. Yes, you can. 10% is 10% of something. If you have a little, then it's still 10% off that. Trust God with the tithe. Be brave. He is Yahweh. How big is your God? How big is your God? Is he big enough to look after your finances? I oh mean, is he big enough? We're all good when it comes to our health. We'll run to God for health. But what about your finances? Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Be kind. Rewind. And let's move on. What is it that you need to do? Maybe some of you need to get off social media chat grips. Remember what Michelle says last week about the power of words? Maybe we need to watch our words on social media. Maybe we need to get off some of those sites that are just taking us in the wrong direction. You know? Be careful what you're saying in social media. We, we communicate in all sort, sorts of ways today. We just don't communicate like this, vocally. We communicate by our words on social media. What are you saying? What are you doing? Is it helpful? I have really run out of time. Let's stand. You've been absolutely brilliant this morning.